0: dad has a knee replacement surgery on january 23rd i think hmm. do you get to well. keep
1: the old knee i don't think so but could you imagine like you put that in like a jar and you put it on your shelf to show it's like this is my old knee you know my dad's
0: weird but i don't think he's that weird at least not that level of weird jay any thoughts because you, you've met the man well only thing i mean I he's got really... quirky humor but yeah.
2: The only thing I could say is he could always put it on a really high shelf and go, hey, this is my high knee. Oh, he, would oh, he, oh. would <laughs> he would do that. He would do that. He would do that. Oh, God. that
1: would. I kind of want to leave
0: that as the intro. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm leaving that. In. <laughs> my So my dad's having knee replacement surgery, and we're going to make sure he gets it back afterwards. We don't want no stupid doctors keeping away his dang old body parts after who knows what the kind of science experimentation they're gonna be doing with that thing afterwards
0: uh my dad number one does not talk like that at all (laughs) He's from new york and has a master's
1: degree. <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that people with the dang old country accent can't have no education?
0: You just, you're just going slower, Boomhauer. I guess you just had too much to drink or too little to drink. I don't know which. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start. All right. Today's episode is what we would like to call a legacy episode. The structure is going to be the same as all of our other ones, but at the end of it is a little bit different because we are not offering our two cents on whether or not the defense is there or necessary or probable. I should say that because there are some points that we're going to talk about that are really hard to get by, so listener discretion will be advised. Gentlemen, let's parlay. Parlay. John is doing something very inappropriate <laughs> to a banana right now, and I'm just waiting for him to say parlay. I am oh, leaving well. this in.
2: Parlay!
1: You know, speaking of bananas, I once made this banana sandwich for breakfast one time. I'm I'm a master of breakfast sandwiches, if you haven't figured this out yet. So imagine you take two of the big oatmeal cream pies you can usually buy at the gas station. Not like the little individual ones that you get in the box, but like the big ones.
0: That's your bread, I assume?
1: So you get two of those. One side peanut butter, one side Nutella, right? And then you take the banana and you chop it up and put it in the middle. Bam sandwich. Grab this a paper. This is also towel. staying in. Grab a paper towel, wrap it around that, walk your ass down there to the dang old bus stop and wait for the bus. You're good to go. So you John, got your potassium,
2: saying- your calories, your protein. So, John, you're saying that you like cream pies, banana cream pies in my mouth for
1: breakfast. Welcome to
0: Parlay Radio.
1: I hate you both.
2: (laughs) Well, that's not usable anymore.
0: We haven't recorded in a little while, so naturally we have to get all of our weird out up front.
1: Introductions all around.
2: Jay Bane, just a fly in the Vaseline.
1: Jay Cash Money '94 and I like bananas in my mouth. Devin
0: Hughes and I feel very plush right now. A velvet Jesus plush?
1: Christ! Beard, uh you like a velvet, velvet plush? or Are we that, talking like a regular plush? That beard looks
2: plush.
0: I have not trimmed it in three months, maybe. This it's is kind of tapered down a little bit. Let's see, full it's... length.
2: Still looking beautiful. It's a little
0: bit longer than my middle finger, so probably about four inches, roughly. Maybe about five. I don't is know. That I four have an inches in pull
1: off of the like oh, American uh, average scale, or is that so, like the uh, no, no, uh, no. South no Korea my well, my,
0: my middle finger is literally like a little over three inches in length, and then it dipped down a little bit further. So I'd say probably about four.
1: So that's like.
0: <laughs> I'm about to you know? mute John. I'm really about to mute John
2: Devin when are we getting the replacement for John when you know
0: Brandon to be- wants to do this so well, I mean we- he wants to be a guest I mean might as well get him full time it's just we got to check with his record company to see if that's fine
1: hey, I mean not COVID shipping delays
2: you that's know, what I asked not for in the Christmas bail. from Santa was a replacement all I want for Christmas is a replacement for John Coleman COVID shipping <laughs> Pro- <laughs> get there eventually it's on a cruise ship off the port of Los Ooh. Angeles Even the wish version of John might be a little better.
1: (laughs) I think I saw a class action lawsuit about that somewhere. Not as advertised.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, I missed you guys. Get your money
1: back on PayPal right there.
0: We we have not recorded in a little while. I don't know. Just as a little inside information. We record a couple episodes back to back. We usually do it about a week apart. We took a bit of a break because of the holidays. We are back. It is the new year. You're going to hear one episode before this one, but this is the first one actually being recorded in 2023. So Whoa. welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are Parlay Radio. We're going to continue on with what I said at the beginning
2: which is, this is a legacy episode. What is a legacy episode, Jay or John? A legacy episode is where we take a musician who not necessarily completely and totally hated, but definitely well-respected, and we go into more depth talking about them, what their problems are, what the good parts about them are, and basically give us a chance to actually talk about good musicians for once.
1: I would We're also really say, trying to focus on their, like, like the title says, the legacy, like the kind of influence and impact they had on their generation of music and later.
0: It is also something that we can kind of do with some of these artists, because we'll have a few that uh, do fit this category, who are no longer making new music. Uh, in this case, it is because the person we are discussing today is deceased. So, obviously they will not be making anything new, so if I hear any complaints about that, um, you can try digging them up, I don't think you're going to get much of a response, good luck with that. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Necromancy Jay is hanging his head in shame, I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I Necromancy really don't.
1: Necromancy just very much illegal.
0: But, the structure is going to be very much the same, we'll still do our usual routine, um, it's just going to be a little bit more descriptive with a lot of it. And, again, at the end, it's in your own interpretation. We're not going to give our opinion one way or another. We might, but we're not going to say, yeah, they don't deserve the criticism, or of course they deserve the criticism. Um, We're just going to leave that up to you. So having said that, I am going to go ahead and read our introduction for today's artist. Scott Weiland was a singer-songwriter for the band Stone Temple Pilots, Velvet Revolver, and Art of Anarchy. Weiland also ventured solo, releasing three solo albums and one recorded with the Wildabouts. Violence influence is prolific in the grunge and post-grunge era of rock, spanning a three-decade career while also carrying a controversial legacy, surrounded by substance abuse and a dysfunctional membership of several bands and projects. This one's going to hurt me a lot because I'm a huge STP fan. have been for 20 years, and yeah, I'm not prepared to talk about this emotionally. But I will. So if I break down at any point, um, just scream at me. I'll be okay.
2: Ah, uh, so they do to you in boot camp? Break down emotionally or scream at you? Both. Hmm.
0: Not surprising. Not surprising at all. And they shave your head. So I'm halfway to boot camp then.
2: You're you gonna have to trim that beard though.
0: Yeah, I'm actually
2: it. still proud to say I've got the best hair out of the three of us.
0: I don't know. I could technically. I can still grow mine out. <laughs> I just have the the yarmulke on the back of my head where hair. Used my headset.
1: So you can see my hair. See, it's there. Was
2: okay, somebody well, pulling
0: on the back of your head, John? Because I think it moved. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, then I'll just say I have the most hair out of the three of us.
0: That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, I still want you to do like the uh, the George Carlin ponytail, John. I know Nicole's gonna kill you, but. I'd love it. I don't think it's going to be there by the time I get out.
2: I think it'll It'll oh, gone.
0: just going to be totally gone? I'm going to look like you by the time I'm 38. No, you're not because I shaved my head. <laughs> and
1: I'll I just, still have a hairline. <laughs> ten I'll years just, from now, we, <laughs> when I'm you currently, your age currently, and then you're ten
2: years older, you know, it'll, it'll, I'll be looking like you. John, I'll when just I, grow mine out and cut it off so that way you can just glue it to your hair. Do wigs for it. kids?
0: It's just a, a then forty-five-year-old kid. I actually <laughs> I heard that did might that be a recently. scam. Wigs for kids does not have the controversy that no. um, uh, what's the other one that I donated to? Locks for love.
2: Locks but for love. N- yeah. We're not
0: going to discuss that because it's not relevant.
2: I actually uh, just did wigs uh, wigs for kids over the summer when I cut my hair off. That's,
0: that's awesome. Really nice. Yeah.
2: You know, Is honestly, it- um, I did have a friend in high school that shaved
1: her entire head for locks for love and then after i figured it out that she had to pay to shave her head for her hair i was like i thought they would want your hair and like like if anything like you should get paid for it
2: you still got to pay for the haircut i didn't places will do it for free
1: well i didn't have to when i ended
2: up nowadays you have to actually cover the cost weird Mm. no because i i I grew
0: mine out whenever i had the long luscious curly locks uh i did that for jeremy for his insistence and uh, yeah, I cut it like right before senior year, high school. I donated like 13 and a half inches. It was crazy. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't even know my hair was that long. It's just they, the hairdresser, I just remember, took my hair and just pulled down the curl. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, it's longer than you think. I was like, oh, right. But continuing, let's cover Scott Wyland. What a lovely young man that we have to talk about today today filled with just holy crap uh yeah it it's gonna hurt um there's gonna be some stuff we cover that is really not very wonderful to discuss um and we do have to cover two primary bands so i am gonna go over the numbers and i'm gonna go over it for both velvet revolver and stone temple pilots i'm gonna start with velvet revolver because he was less time in that band than he was with stp so Velvet Revolver was the super group that he formed with Guns N' Roses members Duff, Slash, and Matt Sorum. Uh, Dave Kushner was the rhythm guitarist for the band as well. He came from the group Wasted Youth. Their total sales is 2.5 million. Highest selling album is Contraband, uh, which was double platinum and the singles Ball, uh, Fall to Pieces and Slither are both gold status. So just by themselves. Uh, streaming, they have 1. 332,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Peak positions on Billboard were number 56 for Slither and number 67 for Fall to Pieces, but they both have well over 100 million streams. Hmm. Uh, As far as awards, they do have one Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance in Slither, they have three nominations total, and they were also nominated for Best Rock Artist of the Year at the Billboard Music Awards in 2005. The band was only active for five years two albums in five years and they had all that that's a lot it's impressive uh it was formed via a jam session when Slash Duff and Matt Sorum of Guns N' Roses played a benefit concert for Ozzy Osbourne drummer Randy Castillo Duff was a friend with Dave Kushner in junior in high school which was actually part of his recruitment into the band this is what I found really fun um auditioners for the position of singer included Sebastian Bach of Skid Row, Travis Meeks of Days of the New, and two people that were offered but declined were Mike Patton of Faith No More and oh. Mr. Bungle, which would have been amazing, and right. Ian Asbury of The Cult.
2: Just also the idea, would have been amazing. The idea of Mike Patton singing for this group would have been absolutely amazing. Now, Weiland was really good <laughs> as the singer, but I would... Pay huge money to see Mike Patton play with them.
0: Patton would have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think the, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it would have been the same feel. Mm-hmm. But it would have been amazing to see Patton do anything with that just the lyrics alone would have been kind of like what the hell you know because Patton's just Patton's one of the most talented singers on the planet I will say that nobody's going to argue with me on that but he is really really weird oh agreed. and then uh Wyland and Duff attended the same gym that's how Duff actually got introduced to Scott Wyland. uh he knew Matt Storm from Rehab which I know we'll be discussing a little bit more in the future here And uh, it played on the same bill as Kushner. He actually sent in audition material, but had turned it down initially until Stone Temple Pilots disbanded in 2003. So he was interested, but didn't want to do it until the band actually broke up that he was involved with. So that is essentially the numbers for Velvet Revolver. Now I'm gonna jump into STP real quick. Uh, This is a band formed with Robert and Dean DeLeo and Eric Kretz on drums. This is the longest standing act that he was a part of um, now. Total sales. It did say thirty five million on a couple different websites, but I can only confirm 19 million. Uh, their highest selling album is the first album they had called Core, which is eight times platinum purple, number four and tiny music songs from the Vatican gift shop are all certified platinum as well. And the last STP album, Shangri Di Da was certified gold. Streaming, they have 4.7 monthly listeners. Excuse me, 4, not 4.7 monthly listeners. That would be terrible. That's like me. Just point my seven. music.
2: <laughs> well, the 0.7 is a little person.
0: I was going to say an animal of some sort, like a Irish wolfhound, you know. Uh, 4.7 million monthly listeners on Spotify. There's over 500 million streams total. Purple is the only album to hit number one on Billboard for sales. However... 15 singles were in the top 10 U.S. alternative charts, and six of them were uh, number one with Scott Weiland. STP did have, actually does have three singers, Weiland, uh, the late Chester Bennington, and I can't remember the new guy's name, Jeff, Duff, Duff, I can't, I'm sorry, Jeff, I, <laughs> Jeff, I think, his yeah.
2: name is Jeff,
0: current singer of the band. You guys can look it up, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to correct myself on that. Um. As far as awards, they have four Grammy nominations with one win, two Billboard Music Awards, one Concert Industry Award for Best New Rock Artist Tour, five American Music Award nominations, and one win. Uh, The band was originally called Mighty Joe Young, which is a movie about a giant gorilla that came out with Charlize Theron in the mid-90s. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if anybody knows that. It's not a very popular film. It is on
2: Disney Plus, though but that movie came out well after STP 4. Yeah,
0: so I'm wondering if it is something that...
2: I don't know if
0: the movie is based on a story or anything like that. You know, movies are based on true stories but have nothing to do with it. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, all in the suit that you wear, which was the only original... Well, excuse me. Only non- Full studio length album song was actually the original single for the spider-man soundtrack but it was beat out by hero written oh by God, chad Kroger why are we and bringing back because <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the history man you gotta chad, discuss
2: it Chad Kroger never left but um
0: there is a compilation album of their greatest hits called thank you and that is the only song on that album that is not featured on any other studio album. So something that is interesting, but yeah, that was the original intended uh, song, I believe from Atlantic Records, as far as the single for that soundtrack. Uh, Wyland actually quit the band in 2003. <clears throat> he rejoined in 2008 and was subsequently fired again in 2013 Due to him no longer being able to hit the vocal range needed for the music, there was also a lot of substance abuse issues and the firing led to a lawsuit from both Weiland and the DeLeo brothers, with the DeLeos retaining the rights to the music, so he lost. That's your rundown for the numbers.
2: I mean, honestly, that's a ridiculous amount of sales. and. They're one of those bands that, if you listen to modern rock radio, they're still getting play every single day, every station. Now it's it's starting to bleed over into classic rock. Very which much. Is, which is terrifying to really think, Devin. Like, that. I mean, that's how old you two are getting.
0: <laughs> yeah, because all of, all of their albums came out during <laughs> our, live. <laughs> our lives. We were Y'all alive were, when we they were, were released. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one album did come out when we were in high school. That was shangri la yeah hmm Yeah. You uh, were seeing
1: them when, uh, you know, they were, you know, selling, uh, playing in clubs.
0: No, Not I think by arenas. the time we actually saw them, they were in arenas. Because I saw them in an arena.
1: Yeah, some type playouts did get pretty big really fast, to be fair.
0: Well, it was also part of that grunge movement that came out of the late 80s, early 90s, even though they really didn't have much association with it, which we will also touch on in a little bit.
1: Yeah, the post uh, uh, Nirvana era, you know, it was a big resurgence of all kinds of different musical genres.
2: I mean, there was a lot of people that that thought they were just knock off of insert grunge band here. And that's really sad to think because they were very original in a lot of their, their playing and their style. It's not the kind of stuff you really heard in grunge. I felt like there was a lot more depth when it came to STP than there ever was with you know bands like, I'm gonna get a lot of flack for saying this, but like Nirvana and um, Alice in Chains, all that. There was just different layers and levels that STP had. The... STP
1: was definitely the more depth and wide-reaching band than Nirvana. But Nirvana was the uh, colloquial wrecking ball for that. a lot of bands.
2: They were the Miley Cyrus? They were the Miley
1: Literally, I mean, when you really start thinking of it, like Nirvana did something new that nobody's done before, but it wasn't a polished, pretty technical and deep product but it was new and it went out with a bang sorry that was in poor taste that wasn't intentional though I'll be honest
0: we're gonna get sued <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like um,
1: I, the I've... stuff that came after is a lot more respected a lot more refined and rece- received much greater success and much greater uh Flor- laurels on their shoulders if you will you know like look at stone temple piles look at who fighters
0: i like to say that with stp as opposed to comparing them to what was the grunge era bands that came out at that time if you think of them as a psychedelic rock band the- they are okay. immensely more enjoyable like hands down it is number four that album alone is i consider it one of the best psychedelic rock albums of the past 30 years what do you
1: consider what is tool considered is it psychedelic more
0: metal alternative
1: progressive
0: progressive yeah progressive metal alternative
1: because i would definitely consider tool psychedelic if you're going that route
2: there's a little aspects of psychedelic and then, I mean you could
0: it's... take psychedelics and listen to Tool and then have a different experience than most people would but Have you
2: seen Tool live though? I will in May Oh it's...
0: you got Rockville tickets yeah.
2: Good for you Oh which day are you going for the full package? Or oh are I'm you going doing... camping all four oh. days
1: Nice Oh you should just let me know I live like 30 minutes from Daytona
2: Yeah but I'll be sleeping five minutes from the stage That's not a fun time dude it he's actually gonna bad. put
0: his uh, sleeping bag by the stairs on the side of oh the oh my
1: mm-hmm. i'm not yeah, camping saw tool and like for that uh when they did when they released that first their first new album in like 13 years it was uh that was an insane
2: show it's great i was gonna say don't album? see they they're all their first album in 13 years
1: <laughs> that's
2: uh i'm a huge tool fan might i add so i can yeah, yeah, I, I think inoculum. all of us here are i'm
0: not a huge tool <laughs> fan but i am a tool fan
1: inoculum is when they release inoculum i saw them that on the day that they dropped the album was the first mm-hmm. day of rockville in jacksonville in 2019 mm-hmm. so we were like the first people to listen to the music live it was pretty cool actually maynard's still a jerk though he's he's an
2: artist.
0: Yeah. I mean, any artist is gonna have an
1: ego, and
0: egos are tied a lot, in most cases, to singers. Hi, how's it going? Hi, Uh, how's it (laughs) going? Yeah, I'm putting myself down there. I'll say it. But yeah, I mean, like in that kind of just to float back to it, that's part of Wyland. Wyland was this performer. Whenever you saw him, it was almost like a religious experience. During his prime, especially, because I saw him in 2002 when it was before the first disbanding of STP. Uh, I actually took Jeremy to go see that show. May he rest in peace. And um, Wyland did this thing on stage where like, he moved around to every single song. He had his own little dance routine, but it was like a combination of gymnastics and yoga without ever leaving the mat. He's just a very flexible, thin dude, so he's just spinning around all the time, like you would see somebody dance to Psychedelic Rock.
2: Kind of like the snake in Jungle Book, just like mesmerizing people as he goes through. He was so,
0: like, that's exactly (laughs) his movements. He just moved Mm -hmm. in this weird little snake-like pattern. It was incredible to watch, because at the time, you're just listening to the music, and, and you know, like, with rock, you try to mosh and do all these other things, but... You don't really subject any sort of dance to it, and you don't want to look weird whenever you're doing it in a crowd, because everybody's self-conscious at this point. He's up on stage doing it in the most erratic pattern, and you're like, that looks unbelievable. <laughs> and it was just, it was so easy to get entranced by it. I mean, we watched from the stands in this arena because we didn't want Jeremy to get kicked in the head. Um <laughs> But yeah, like we watched from the stands with him performing and we're like this is incredible. Like I can't put words to it. I would say in his height, he was probably the best live performer in rock.
2: Easily. Easily one of the best frontmen in rock history, really. Just yes. the ability to capture a crowd, to even sing his, his vocals. His range was amazing and a lot of people don't talk about that. Like he had songs where he could hit some some really good highs really good lows all the way around varied everything was varied with what he did it was never you could never point at one song and be like this is the scott wyland sound this is the stone table pilot sound they were all different and i think that's that's what allowed them to get as popular as they did they were a different band and in, in not only every album but all, half of their songs were just You couldn't tell who was who.
0: It was one of these things where there are, uh, for people that are not uh, singers, there's four vocal points in the body. You have your nose, throat, chest, and diaphragm down towards your gut, which is what you're supposed to sing from. He used all of them at every different point. You will have a lot of singers that you hear nowadays that don't use, but maybe two he used every single one of them and everything that he did. And he would vary, even like in the middle of songs, like we referenced Mike Patton with Velvet Revolver being a potential singer for that band who declined the offer. Patton's another one that greatly does it. If anybody has a chance, go back and listen to Patton's discography, just with any band that he's been a part of, he's insane. And if you listen to Wyland's voice, you have that kind of half throat raspiness but also pushing from the diaphragm songs like interstate love song it sounds like a country song almost you know like an alternative country song and then you have something like plush where he just belts it out as much as he can and then you have where he goes towards the nose with a lot of his stuff with velvet revolver and it's it's just incredible to listen to everything it's so different with every single song it's so good speaking of songs
2: Speaking of half the songs that I was going to cover, sorry. Thanks, Devin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited He's, I, again. like I, I have a bias with this stuff.
2: So. Oh, I know I I'm, don't blame you at all there. They he was a great musician. And we'll get into why it's a little problematic. That I, I, everybody I loves just him. I feel
1: bad that when I first saw him, it was in 2015, right? You know a few months before this all happened and it was just i feel like before i was able to see him live like you know, when you guys did in the early 2000s with stp it would have been much more enjoyable because the year after i saw scott Wylan, i saw the reformed stone temple pilots with the new guy jake jack good let, me, whatever, ju- let you know? me just
0: look up his name i feel bad it's now. like
1: quit because Wa- the
0: thing is he's actually Walk-a-more. really good no it's not anything that complicated i
1: i I, i'll be honest with you man like i'm a stone temple pilots fan and as much as i find it heartbreaking jeff got that they were they kicked scott out of the band and but they replaced him with arguably the biggest stone temple pilots and scott wyland fan of all time in chester bennington oh yeah and i'll be honest from where he was at in his life they were better with chester like if we compare like 1999 stone double pilots with like 2016 stone double pilots with chester it'd be very comparable it's like the same product
0: i would state that in the disbanding of stp in 2003 um they should have never reunited with wyland I I will I will stand behind that just because, and which we'll get into your stuff in a little bit, John. There's reasons behind yeah. that, but yeah, I I do like that they reunited a couple times, and I'm gonna give as much credit as I can to Jeff for what he's doing now with the band because Jeff sounds like a wonderful combination between Wyland and Chester. Like if and, you listen to the yeah. first album that he <clears throat> did with the band which is just a self-titled full-length album. I have the the vinyl behind me. Um he sounds so much like the two combined that it's hmm. eerie, but also the band sounds reinvigorated. Hmm. Like they're just like, you know what? We're back. We're here to just put our foot down and push it to the floor and just drive on forward and they sound so good now. And so it's nice to get that Feeling again with the band so I am so happy that they have Jeff I am so sorry we kept screwing up your last name John uh gut (laughs) with this man or Goot I'm not sure it's G-U-T-T but um no I I think Jeff sounds amazing and I I'm happy that he's in the band and I'm happy that they're moving forward but in in true like kind of diehard fan status I would say they never should have accepted Wyland back um, just because it didn't prove to be anything more than like a nostalgia trip.
1: Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of like the thing I was trying to get at is like Chester was a f- fresh air, is a new influence, it was able to keep the original product by bringing it into the 21st century, to get a whole new generation of like music fans into this band's legacy that truly deserved it, like because they got, their music band got curtailed very You know, for self-imposed reasons. Right. But, like, they're they're a band that shouldn't have ended at that time period, you know? But, like, you, I mean, like, you guys are both very, you know, a bit older than me. So, like, Scott Wayland was, your guys is Chester Bennington. Like, Chester Bennington was, like, my generation, even though I'm just a few, like, not that far behind you, is, like, the the superstar or voice of my generation for like most people of my age group like Chester is. Like and terror, terribly. They met very similar ends, like very similar and. Tragic, but like
2: they're both extreme superstars. I know what you mean. I I hear you on that. I think Chester's ending was a little more tragic just because he didn't have the continued substance abuse that Wyland had. And it to watch somebody just basically wither their own life away, like everybody basically had to do with Wyland. You know, the, it, you almost kind of look at it as the record company is just kind of pimping out an addict. And we'll probably get more into this as we go into controversies, because I've got a lot of viewpoints when it comes to artists and whether it be depression or drug use or whatever it has, and I think that's something that Weiland definitely suffered from.
1: Yeah, when you really think about it, though, you bring this into, like, 2023 now, right, where we're at. I don't think something like Weiland would have happened. I don't want to say it wouldn't happen today, because it does still happen today, but, like, I feel like a band of that caliber and that level of success would have had Intervention much earlier on into this than they would see back then. Back in the na- '90s, like people were like, "Oh, f- it's just drugs. It's heroin. It's coke." Oh well, right? But not like today. You know, like their cash cow is gonna start. they're like, "Hey man, we need to send him over to uh, let's go get him into a year of rehab over in the Seychelles."
0: Yeah, I mean, there there's a bit to do with that which we will get to. First, let's go ahead and get into the
2: lyrics with Jay. By all means, my friend. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate that. So today we've got instead of our typical two, since this was a legacy episode, I thought we'd go over three songs that Scott Weiland wrote. Uh, the first one we're gonna deal with is Fall To Pieces, which was written by Velvet Revolver uh, for the album Contraband. The song has 80 million Spotify streams. It's an introspective song about battling addiction and how it affects his relationships with his then wife, Mary. Uh, it was the band's third single and uh, off of the Contraband album. It reached number 67 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number one on the mainstream rock charts. I would say this song has a very eerie, similar sound and vibe to Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine. And honestly, that's one of those things looking at Velvet Revolver, you kind of start to realize, and I hate to say this, Slash is kind of a one trick pony. He's very big about doing these droning melodies that sound really great the first couple of times you hear them but after a while it just gets repetitive because it just gets played over and over and over through the song but then he also has those epic solos that just define the entire song and fall to pieces was exactly that and i really think it's just a copy paste version of sweet child of mine sadly
0: it does sound very similar to sweet child of mine um in that I, there was a, a, we'll get to it in the next episode, but uh, Slash uses what are called circus, circus medleys or melodies for <laughs> warm ups. And that's actually where a lot of his guitar licks come from. Mm-hmm. So when we hear these little introductions, not only do we know it's Slash, like I think that's one of the, the cool parts to Slash is that when you hear the riff come in, you know it's him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's signs of a, a great guitarist and a great musician. Um, I'm never going to knock Slash's ability by any means. I love that his solos fit the song as opposed to just being like, I can play every note on the guitar, like a lot of guitarists are nowadays. Um, I'm looking at you, Math Rock, but he is, he, is, he, he fits everything really well with how he writes and how he puts the music forward so i i appreciate that but yeah it does feel a lot like a carbon copy of sweet child of mine
2: yeah and one thing i will say going back to Slash's solos is that he almost uses the guitar as is like a second set of vocals during those solos and it, it's amazing they sound beautiful it's just that's Almost every Guns N' Roses song, a lot of Velvet Revolver songs, it's just it's the same stuff. And and we we'll discuss more of that eventually later on in a further episode. But that's just something I did want to bring up. But this song, uh, Fall to Pieces, it really shows how addiction can affect someone and the weakness that addiction creates, Um, the loneliness and how it brings down not only the person that's addicted, but also the ones around them, their loved ones. It's really sad when you know a lot more of Scott Weiland's history, how this song lyrically is kind of structured and set up. it it is very autobiographical and i think that's one thing with scott wyland that was so amazing about him and at the same time so tragic is that he put a lot of himself into his lyrics there's a lot as a musician that you do you are opening your soul to the people letting them read your deepest darkest feelings and secrets and emotions and that's very draining so, I can definitely see later on in his life why he went down the roads he did and how things happened. But it's just kind of how being an artist does. One thing about Fall to Pieces that I will definitely say is that this is the song that made me realize that Guns N' Roses would have been the greatest band in the world if they didn't have Axel. Oh, that's some big words. Harsh. Harsh. I hate Axl Rose with a passion. That Who man doesn't? <laughs> is a—he's a terrible person, a terrible singer. And again, we'll cover this more in a later episode. But I'm just gonna go ahead and say this real quick. <laughs> Axl Rose.
0: I'll censor it. It's fine. <laughs>
2: That's <laughs> why I gave I'll, you a I'll, little bit of spot on. That.
0: I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that way, I at least have a warning. Um, and now that I know how to compress vocals really well, so that we all sound about on the same level. Um, editing's not so bad anymore. (laughs) Otherwise, it was taking me like, you know, five hours an episode. Now it takes me maybe the length of the episode plus an hour. So it's not terrible.
2: That's good. Uh, So for the second song that we're going to (gasps) cover is going to (laughs) be Interstate Love Song. Uh, The third single from the band's second album, Purple, has 285 million Spotify streams right now. And it's possibly the band's biggest hit. If you've, look at the popularity that that song had, it was, it's everywhere. It's still everywhere on all rock radio stations. Uh, It stayed at number one on U.S. Billboard's album rock tracks um, for quite a bit of time. It hit all the way up to number one. Um, When listening to the song, it has almost a country-like riff with the guitars. It's very strange for a rock song to have that, but it's, it's very distinct in that song, you know, the, the sliding on the guitar it sounds really cool. Um, the lyrics itself are about lying to your partner. Uh, Wyland um, wrote in his book that while writing uh, excuse me while on the road for the core album, he would call home to his fiance Janina Castanetta and he'd lie to her about being clean while on tour. Uh, He was quoted as saying she'd ask how I was doing and I'd lie, say I was doing fine. I imagine what was going through her mind when I wrote, waiting on a Sunday afternoon for what I read between the lines, your lies, feeling like a hand in rusted shame. So do you laugh or does it cry? Reply. He's definitely showing that he was hiding a lot of stuff from his loved one and a lot of that is going back to addiction. It is a terrible, terrible thing to have to deal with. The song in general, it's short. It's almost too short, honestly. The the, the song itself is, you want to listen to it for, you know, at least five or ten minutes. It's like a, what, three-minute song at most?
1: Yeah. Um, three minutes it, and 51 seconds.
2: Yeah. It's short. It's, it's simple in a lot of places, but it's definitely moving. Um, it's got a super catchy riff that it could really easily fit into any country band set. And that's saying a lot coming from a rock song because to be able to kind of push that genre without really changing a genre, it's impressive.
1: And it really speaks to Scott Whalen's lyrical vocal versatility like we brought up earlier. To be able to mesh both rock, grunge, and country-esque vocals at that time period was unheard of in the 90s. Like you see it today, but like we're talking about like 30 years later.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to put it into context, he was like the original Taylor Swift.
1: <laughs> I'm not even going to give you the badumt on that because it's not even, <laughs> it's not okay.
0: Oh, it's it's more than okay. Because it's correct.
1: Only if you shake it off.
2: I, I, I shake it off. Shake it off. Ooh.
0: I prefer Manchester Orchestra's Shake It Off.
2: So for the last song we're going to cover, I would say was the song that really made STP who they were, and that's Plush. Uh, Plush was the second single off their debut album, Core. Currently, it has 227 million Spotify streams with an acoustic version that is way better. I'm sorry, the acoustic version is phenomenal. That version has 97 million streams. So three over 300 million streams with one song with two different versions. <clears throat> so crazy to think. The single also hit the top of the Billboard mainstream rock charts. Uh, Rolling Stone reported the lyrics were loosely based on a newspaper article that Scott Weiland had read about a girl who had been found dead after having been kidnapped in the early 1990s. Weiland later stated that the song lyrics were changed over time to mean more from a metaphor for a failed relationship. There's a lot of intricate guitar work underneath the main guitar riff in this song. If you really listen, it's so sweeping and moving. It's it's something you don't really see a lot with a lot of music, you know, having two guitars that are so separately doing different things, but at the same time working almost in harmony together. To really create this just flowing, smooth song. Uh, Weiland's voice is especially haunting in this song. Um, this was the song that showed what he could do as a, as a vocalist, as a lyricist. And it, it was definitely the breakout song that pulled listeners in and showed them what STP was all about.
0: The interesting part to the acoustic version is that It was a recording of them playing it live on Headbangers Ball, Mm -hmm. but it almost never happened because Weiland got into, uh, I don't want to say a rivalry, it's probably not the right word, but Ricky, what's Ricky's last name? Rackman. Yeah, Ricky Rackman, who is the host of Headbangers Ball, had said something um, not so nice about STP, and they were not invited to the show, so Wyland kind of fired back, and Wyland's hot temper will again come up here in a little bit. But uh, there was basically a dispute between the two, which inevitably led to STP playing on the show, and that and then entailed the acoustic performance and recording, which is probably how the metal community got introduced to STP, if they weren't already familiar with them at the time. Um, There's one thing that I have that's a criticism about the acoustic recording is that there is a microphone buzz throughout the entire damn song. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it drives me insane. Every time I hear it, it sounds great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that is the, if you, obviously we can't see Weiland perform live anymore. Um, You can still look up concert footage of the full band and everything. But if you want a true, genuine, amazing acoustic performance that's definitely a recording to pop up just as an audiophile the microphone um, will drive you insane but his vocals throughout that entire recording are nuts because we we're talking about the vocal range that he has he hits mm-hmm. almost every single vocal point because he has the higher notes where he goes a little nasal he goes throat he goes chest and he goes diaphragm throughout the song And it's just it's insane to hear it because it's it's not a difficult song to sing by any means, if you are, you know, somebody who can carry a tune by any means, it's not hard, but just how he presents it is incredible.
1: So just throwing that out there. That's insane. I'm going to take a listen to it to see this buzz. But like, oh, no, I I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to survive it's it's
0: more the um on uh so they they featured the recording of it on the album thank you and i think it's the last track on the album and you can hear you know typical studio recordings throughout the rest of them the regular studio recordings that are present and then you go to plush and it's almost like a dog note because there's just this really high pitch (laughs) That's very subtly in the background the entire time. And so it feels like there's a dog whistle going off the whole time. But that, that might just be my ears. I don't know. And I mean, they could I, have changed it for streaming I just, purposes.
2: I just look at it as a, it's an extra little instrument being played in there, right? Right. Sure. It's 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 worth dealing with for the quality that that song is. It the The acoustic version, it's just... His vocals, his voice is just the most moving thing in that. It is amazing what he can do and what he can make you feel just from not even what he's singing, but the notes he's singing. And then you listen lyrically, too, and it's just as moving also. It's something that most singers, most vocalists are really unable to do
0: whenever he hits that first and i feel he goes way down Mm -hmm. in the diaphragm and then the bridge just leading into the chorus he goes back up towards the throat and nose and it's just Mm -hmm. like
2: jesus (laughs) a roller coaster of vocals
0: it is it is and to think he was on a lot of drugs at that time you know (laughs) like (laughs) which (laughs) i'm sorry it's just like oh god (laughs) you 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 kill your throat and and various vocal patterns whenever you're doing any sort of drugs like a lot of people that had to that performed in like the 90s and 2000s are either sober now or no longer performing because of how much abuse they put through their systems like i mentioned it on a previous episode steve from smash mouth can't perform anymore he's no longer a part of the band because he drank for so long Not only did he give himself aphasia with that, but he also completely tore up his vocal cords.
2: James Hetfield from Metallica can barely sing some of the stuff from *Kill 'Em All* anymore because his voice has just been destroyed from so many years of alcohol abuse.
0: I'm so sad that the James Hetfield Soundboard website is no longer available.
2: Yeah, yeah. Give me food. Give me fire. Give me now, now, now. Yeah.
0: Would have made that just, that would have been our edits throughout this entire series. just would have been James Hetfield soundboard.
2: Can we just make sure on the Metallica episode that we end every single thing that we say with, "Yeah, uh, yeah, uh,
0: I love listening to the live albums that they have because he says it just like 20 (laughs) times more. Like there, there's a, there's another one I had. Um, i had a cd for years called rockin rio 3 and it was uh, a bootleg performance of foo fighters in rio like three or four times throughout every single song dave Grohl into the microphone here we go here we go here we go (laughs) (laughs) it's just like and you could tell i mean he was like trashed you could absolutely tell he was just he was having a blast he was on stage and he was just completely out of his mind but the amount of times that he says it on the album it's like you have to do a drinking game on it otherwise <laughs> you're just not <laughs> and and i mean it's not even a bad album or anything too it's a great live performance but it's just here we go here we go here we go, here we go! it's like a it's like a, a beat-em-up game that you play in an arcade and there's only two sound bites for the characters <laughs> here we go Ooh-wah! here we go uh, it just i miss that soundboard website <laughs> so much I want to edit everything with that. But! There were some pretty good ones on that website. Speaking of things that are hard to find and difficult things to embrace. Uh, John, I think you have some controversies for us, sir.
1: Sadly, even uh, the legendary artists do have controversies. We've already talked briefly about all of his controversies, but uh, to do a quick rundown. Going back to 1995, he was arrested for crack cocaine, uh, crack usage, and uh, he went to jail for a couple of days and then was uh, put onto a year of parole, where after his wife, Jan- Janina, bailed him out on leaving the station at a red light, got out of the car, and ran off, trucked it, and checked himself into a hotel that his buyer was known to frequent, sorry, seller, not buyer, was known to frequent, and uh, literally, apparently, actually next door was Courtney Love and her girlfriend, uh, I don't remember the name, I didn't write the g- Courtney Love's girlfriend's name at the time down, but they were uh, doing drugs there as well, because they had used the same provider at the, or supplier And uh, they decided to, you know, do drugs together, the three of them, for a couple months. Uh, But they were also going... uh, I wasn't able to certify this, you know, but uh, from the source that I was using, Courtney Love and her friend were going to dinner at Jack Nicholson's for a couple times during that time. I don't know. I I, I think we're probably going to do a Courtney Love episode later, but I really am curious if a Jack Nicholson and Courtney Love relationship or friendship, you know.
0: Courtney is gonna come up a lot throughout I, the, the series of episodes we've we have
1: already already been period. a couple times already, and it's just I'm tr- trying to figure out this. I want to be like Sh- uh, Sean Day from Freaking, you know, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and just have a freaking a map on a murder <laughs> board on the on the wall. I'll be like Ugh.
2: Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia. I keep seeing I mean, his name,
0: Pepe Sylvia. <laughs>
2: I mean, did Hole actually sell enough albums? to They sold be a honest? lot. They really? sold a lot.
0: They did at least a half Oof. a million. Um, we, might, no, we might have to hey, make
2: a rule exception either way. <sighs>
0: hey, Hole's not a bad band. Okay, I will say that. I now Courtney Love is is Courtney Love. I'm gonna will reference her future, past behavior, <laughs> etc. But Hole not a bad band. Hole is not a bad band. And remember. One thing that we have to take into context: music is preferential. Okay, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Everybody Ugh. likes what they like. I know it um, sucks. Nah. I can't be hypercritical like I was when I was oh. in my twenties and late teens.
2: Amanda, trust
0: me, I would just crap on every band we talk about. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> I was, I was a, I was a huge. It a- was about Amanda, it.
1: Amanda de Cadenaire. whoever that is. Amanda de Can- Sure. Amanda de cool. Uh, photographer lady. English photographer. Apparently had a relationship with Courtney Love for a little bit there.
0: You got other stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the... And then after that, he uh divorced Janae. I mean, I, I don't know why they got divorced. Their relationship was apparently very private, but uh, from me just having to... If I was the wife and uh, my husband just bailed on me at a red light after I bailed him out to go do drugs for a couple months with another woman or well, woman's I would probably also want to be out of that relationship some people are into that I'm not anyways uh, he then was in New York and uh, was got very deep into drugs and they actually had to cancel a t- plan- planned and scheduled like advertisement done out stone temple pilots tour in 1996 because of his drug usage he was then arrested in new york for buying drugs in 1998 and spent five months in jail for it and then in 2001 was uh, arrested for domestic abuse charges against his new wife mary and then again for drug possession in 2003 and had a dui in 2008 but the probably most offensive thing that we did talk about repeatedly was his narcissism. He, a lot of his former bandmates and colleagues and family members all talked about how he was extremely narcissistic. And any good idea automatically became his idea. Uh, like, apparently, there's a time where during his final tour with Velvet Revolver, he was telling people, like, Hey, this is going to be our final tour. You know, good to go and everything, all that. And then everybody, apparently... The other members were like, we never t- discussed this. Like, this was, like, you can't, you're not the only member of this tour. Arguably, at this time, everybody else in this band is actually bigger than you. Because we're members of Guns N' Roses. You may not, know, you may have heard of us. But, like, <laughs> this is not just you decision. This isn't the Scott Weiland band. This is Volvo Revolver. Then, apparently, uh, his wife at the time, uh, Mary, had reached out to the other members of Stone Temple Pilots to do a private show on the beach for like, you know, their family. And it's like a little small get-together thing. And then the DeLeo brothers were like, Hey, you know, let's actually just kind of see if we can do like a couple shows in the area, like a private, like, like a small reunion, like a one-time time show. And then like, it got leaked somehow. And then Scott Weiland was like, Yeah, no, I've been trying to get this reunion back together for a couple years now and do a whole tour, a new album. And then they were like, We've never even discussed this. Actually, we talked about it at your house as a group, but like we only talked about doing a one-day show on the beach just for us friends and family, like a jam sesh, Let alone a full 15-month tour. And those were like the more like tame narcissism-type things. There were multiple incidences where he just was very much uh, an asshole to the point of where Velvet Revolver kicked him out. Some type of pilots kicked him out one of the more interesting things is that when they did kick him out after failing to do a reunion tour there was like three years of like, hey, we're gonna do a reunion tour we're gonna do a reunion tour and it never worked out between him trying to go back to Revolver Revolver him doing his own things, the wildabouts and trying to do, like trying to juggle three things at once, which, you know it's really hard to do I have a hard time, you know, walking and talking or walking and chewing gum, let alone you know managing three successful bands so I don't know how he would do it they kicked him out, and then they brought in Chester Bennington, and then there was lawsuits, you know, we discussed it. Lawsuits went back and forth, he was like, you can't kick me out of my band and use my band's name and replace him. You can't do that. Uh, unless you're Breaking Benjamin, uh, apparently that can happen if you have the backing of a studio behind you and not in, as an individual. Apparently Breaking, Breaking Benjamin was able to do it because the band's name is Benjamin, Breaking Benjamin, and he is, you know, Benjamin. It's his band. Kind of like Paramore, but let's let's not talk about Paramore. But uh, but you always we bring will. You up. We <laughs> will. Oh, we uh, will. But apparently, prior to that whole scenario, Scott Wyland and uh, Chester Bennington were apparently very good friends back when Linkin Park toured with them in 2001. I can't remember the tour's name. I was like six. You guys were like what, 18, 24 years old when that happened? 82. That tour in 2001. 82. okay Okay. <laughs> But they became really good friends and uh after that whole thing apparently he was just upset i mean i would be upset if i got kicked out of my band as well but he trashed the Deleos, he trashed he trashed chester he trashed all was like i can't believe that this dude was a snake got in onto my own band and, and then he was like the Deleos, they they tricked him thought i was on board with this and they had all the lawsuits and everything figured out and everything and he's just a snake terrible human beings and everything i'm like I'm reading this, I'm like, you guys were allegedly very good friends, and Chester never said a bad word about you this whole time. They're all just talking, was like, and anything he came out, he said he was completely honored to be offered the position for his, one of his iconic people growing up in the field to take over. And so they didn't even put out new music with Chester, he was just, to fill in the old stuff, they're just trying to tour. Seeing through all this drug issues, you could really see that it was, he was clearly not in the right mindset, and it was... It's heartbreaking to really go over and see how
2: downhill some people go in this stuff. I think his narcissism is something, too, that I like to liken in the music industry as frontman complex. Yeah, he got a huge ego because he's the front guy. He's the one who everybody hears, everybody sees. Yes, Devin, we know you, me, all the other <laughs> singers out there in the world. I've you're been so kicked huge. out of bands for that. You're so but huge. It, it's it's one of Tremendous. those things that people, you get an inflated ego, you get this, you know, sense of self that's way larger than it really should be. And And if you're already a narcissistic person, that's gonna really push forward even worse. You know, narcissists always have to be the victim in everything that happens. So, of course, he's going to try and lash out at people. But it's the
0: center of attention. You have to. You have to. It's the narcissistic quality of always wanting to be the one in the limelight, whether it's good or bad. Drugs change your perception of everything, too. And and Wyland had far too much substance abuse issues. I mean, I remember watching the 2000 two episode of storytellers that they did on vh1 you know they play a couple songs they talk about the song a little bit and i remember at that time he was nine months clean and sober you know and he was like really proud and the crowd was cheering him on and it was right before they played their last song which was sex type thing which is also a great song for anybody to check out although the uh, uh, story of the song is not exactly um um good is the (laughs) nice way to put it because it sounds like it's uh uh, apologies it sounds like it's forcible rape i don't know or it's just kinky sex one or the other i'm uh, not entirely positive on that take it to your own interpretation with that but no he's sober and the actual uh the album tiny music was also the only album that he recorded with stp completely sober the only one they had six studio albums with him that's sad A lot that's of really people- sad
2: a lot of people take inspiration from being in an altered state of mind. It, it's terrible. Um, I haven't heard a lot off of that last album myself, but you could almost maybe equate the creativity that he has in that album. You know, Maybe one of the reasons it didn't sell as much is because he wasn't completely blissed out of his mind.
0: The sad part, too, is that his solo stuff is fantastic. We, when I was doing college radio, we had a copy of his cover of uh, David Bowie's fame and our station manager used to laugh because he thought it was better than the original, which it was. And I I love David Bowie, but Scott had some ideas that he threw into the song and it just made it incredible. And he never, I I would say he never uh, petered With his solo stuff, he always made sure that everything was presented the way that he wanted to, and he always had very creative, clever ideas. But, unfortunately, addiction got the better part of him and also led to his unfortunate and untimely end, which we're actually going to discuss that um, real quick. So, part of the legacy of this is that Scott Weiland passed away December 3rd, 2015 of a drug-induced overdose. Uh, In his system, let's see, what did he
2: have? It'd probably be shorter to list what he didn't have.
0: No, it's uh, cocaine, Xanax, boop, I I don't know, it looks like a thing of morphine, Zeprazidone, Viagra, and sleeping pills. Yeah, he had a lot in his system.
2: Only six? Um, That's surprising.
0: He also... Well, actually, I'm sorry. That's what he had on the tour bus. Um, (laughs) His death was a result of an accidental overdose of cocaine, alcohol, and methamphetamine. So, he just kept doing everything he could. It, It actually was part of the reason he had a uh, heart disease that he developed because of all of his drug issues over the years. He was diagnosed with that several years prior to this. So, part of that was because of everything that he was doing. Um, And it unfortunately led to his death. Posthumously, as well, something that was not mentioned was the letter that his ex-wife wrote to Rolling Stone after his passing, uh, Mary Forsberg Wyland, so one of the wives referenced throughout this episode, wrote an open letter with his teenage kids about, yes, you can love the music, but he was a terrible person. Uh, that's essentially a summary of it. He was a bad father, he was a bad husband, but he had great music. And it's hard to talk about the legacy of a human being that was not a good human being and yet you hear these things and then you just buy the record anyway so you're just funding the pockets of somebody who doesn't really deserve it
2: it's essentially a person's addiction
0: yeah exactly um so that's the unfortunate part to all of this is that you know it, it it sounds like and i can't speak on behalf of them but it basically sounds like the family aided them too so that's that's something harsh to hear and hard to leave behind um I will say that Scott's influences over the years, and this is something that I want to clear up too. He stated that the bands that influenced him as far as the music was concerned, specifically with Stone Temple Pilots, were Aerosmith, the Rolling Stones, Neil Young, Robert Plant, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Pink Floyd, James Brown, David Bowie, and Bob Marley. Kind of surprising on that one. Uh, they are very much associated with the grunge movement of the 90s, and he got a lot of comparisons to Eddie Vedder. I'm going to clear this up right now. He sounds like a combination of Jim Morrison and David Bowie. If you think he sounds like Eddie Vedder, go f- yourself, okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I am not holding back. <laughs>
0: I am not holding back, okay? <laughs> there is literally no comparison. It's just they came out around the same time. You need to check your vocals, check your ears, go get a hearing test. If you think he sounds the same, Okay, hearing aids are available. They're really expensive right now. I hope you have insurance. Good luck. (laughs) Now, they are believed to be uh, along the funk rock side is how they coin it. Uh, But again, I say listen to their album number four, but imagine it as a psychedelic rock album and you will enjoy it a lot more, especially if you interpret the band as that. Um, a couple other things along with their legacy. They were listed at number nine on Metal Injection's Ten Heaviest Grunge Bands list in 2017. And this is a quote from um, Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins, stated after Wyland's death. Quote, It was, I guess you say, my way of apology uh, for having been so critical of STP when they appeared on the scene like some crazy, man-fueled rocket. Not only was the knight up front freshly handsome to a fault... But he could sing too. As any supreme actor gives a real and different voice to each character played. It was STP's third album, Tiny Music, that I got me hooked. A wizardly mix of glam and post-punk, and I confessed to Scott as well as the band many times how wrong I'd been in assessing their native brilliance. And like Bowie can and does, it was Scott's phrasing that pushed his music into a unique and hard-to-pin down aesthetic sonic sp- excuse- I can't even speak Sonic sphere. Lastly, I'd like to share a thought which, though clumsy, I'd hope would please Scott in hominem. and that is if you ask me who I truly believe are the great voices of our generation, I'd say it were he, Lane Staley, and Kurt Cobain. So that is uh, from an interview in, I believe, 2015 or 2016. It was right after Scott passed away. So however you feel... Scott is, was, has been in the music industry, that's Scott Weiland, Uh, in a nutshell, um, someone who presented some of the best music out of the 90s and early 2000s, easily some of the best rock music of all time, and was a very complex human being on the personal side. I'm happy I didn't get emotional over this. I'm really happy about that. I almost did. Uh, just for backlog and stories involving him. I will say something that's kind of a funny story. Uh, so in the college radio days, we actually used to have bands that would come to the St. Augustine Amphitheater and they would do interviews with our college station, which was really cool. This was during the tour the Stone Temple Pilots had at that time. They were scheduled to do an interview. I was not going to interview, but I was allowed to be in the studio with them. And they canceled because, quote, medical issues i wonder what those were <laughs> oh geez yeah yeah that that one stings having said that uh if you are a fan of stone Temple pilots or velvet revolver continue being a fan take this episode as you will take it with a grain of salt uh take it with a salt container
1: i don't care Please don't actually take the whole salt container. Salt's Please don't, expensive.
0: don't, don't kill, it. don't, don't hurt yourself with that. You it's know? also expensive. No, it's not. Salt's cheap. <laughs> what are you talking about?
1: Well, but no, salt. just,
0: just don't, don't, don't do that. But you know, just take the information as you will, as we have presented it. Uh, we do hope that you enjoy the legacy portion of this show. And <clears> now I'm going to bring up something that's a little bit different. So. Upon researching a few of our acts that we have this week and next episode, um, I found something very interesting. I was looking at Batman stuff Go on. Okay. This is around Christmas. Now we've all seen the first Batman movie first Tim Burton Batman movie, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's a classic. Michael Keaton. Did you know Kim Basinger had an album? no now the rumor is that prince had produced an album for kim basinger called hollywood affair however it seems like it's derived from the relationship that kim basinger had with prince Go on. there are unreleased tracks that you can actually find online i would like our audience to see if they can google this album see if they can listen to a few tracks, and give us some feedback on whether or not you think that Kim Basinger would have had a successful career as a singer, as well as an actress. So again, the album is called Hollywood Affair, and it is Kim Basinger who was the fox of the 90s and late 80s, also known as Alec Baldwin's ex-wife, also known as Oscar-winning Kim Basinger. Well,
2: isn't Alec Baldwin a murderer? Not touching that one with a ten foot pole.
0: No, I'm not gonna touch that one either. Um, John, you're fired.
2: <laughs> Just, and uh, and sued too.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not <laughs> alleged,
2: no, alleged no,
0: murder. No, not even alleged, dude. You need you need to read the f- news, okay? <laughs> like, I you don't need like to read the news;
2: it's fake. Uh, For the, the purpose Christmas of not getting John sued, Reed placement. A John replacement. Yes, a John (laughs) replacement.
0: For the purpose of not getting sued, what John is referencing is that Alec Baldwin had a prop gun on set that had live rounds loaded in it and shot it at another person on set, which inevitably killed that person. Alec was not aware that there were live rounds in it. There are ongoing lawsuits that we are not a part of and we are not affiliating with. And we're not going to talk about this anymore before John gets his own legal representation (laughs) because we are going to get sued. So, I'm, I'm going to politely lawyer. ask John to shut the fuck up. Okay. I mean, like everything else I could leave behind that we've had where I've joked about us getting sued. No, we can actually get sued for this. This is an ongoing lawsuit. So, no, we're not going to discuss that. But no, oh, Kim wait, Basinger. No,
1: they, they settle out of court. They're fine.
0: Great. That's fantastic. Even better. So, yeah, going back to Kim Basinger. Check out her solo album, Hollywood Affair. Let us know how you feel about it. Whenever you write to us, you can leave a comment on Facebook. You can leave one on Instagram. You can send us a message on TikTok now. That's right. Parlay Radio has a TikTok. Does it, it feature tacks. our faces? Briefly, in only one video, because we don't want to really feature our faces all that much. We're we're not ugly, by any means. I am. Um, nah, nah, you're still pretty. Don't worry oh, about it. Thank
2: you, Devin. No
0: problem, buddy. Um, but no, we just we only really post like, hey, this is the teaser for the upcoming episode, tick tock, and we do it kind of that adult swim text and picture style that they have in between all of their episodes, because I couldn't think of another format to do that would work. Um, but yeah, if you like what you hear. And you want to listen to Kim Basinger, please send us a message, leave a comment, do anything like that on any of those pages, because we want to know what you feel. We would also love it if you left a review for us on your podcast streaming of choice, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google podcast Or if you're using another one that we're not really familiar with because it's not as widely used or is not as widely popular, you can still leave it on there, too. We'd appreciate it. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe. Hit notify whenever new episodes drop. We release episodes every two weeks because we have personal lives and it's really difficult for us to do it every week and we're not getting paid off of this yet. 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 We also are seeking sponsors actively. Um, If you are of a small business and you want to plug your stuff on here, you can also reach out to us. You can reach out to us at parlayradio at gmail.com Tell us a little bit about your business. We will feature you here for free. We are not asking royalties from small businesses. We do want to make sure that you understand this is a free plug. 100% free.
2: We are willing to whore ourselves out for you for free.
0: Yes. We would love it if you know we plug your stuff and you mention us on your own social media too. But yeah, we would love to plug you guys. That's fine. It's the big guys that we're after that pay people that actually we want also with sponsorships. But no, we want to make sure that the small businesses are featured too. But on behalf of John and Jay, thank you so much for joining us for our first legacy episode today. And we will see you on the next one. Bye bye.
2: Ah.
0: Ah. John's going so to get us sued. John's going to get us sued. Parlay Radio is a journalistic educational commentary podcast hosted by Jay Bain, John Coleman, and Devin Hughes. On the mention of bands and materials used, we are protected by fair use and copyright, as we provide criticism and commentary through satirical means. We don't own the rights to any bands or stories mentioned, but we do have the right to offer criticism and commentary. Incidental Music is provided by CloudKicker and Creative Commons tracks in the public domain. If you have a band or suggestion for the show, you can find us on Facebook at Parlay Radio, on Instagram at parley Radio Podcast or on TikTok at parley Radio. You may also email us at parlayradio at gmail.com. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our show if you enjoy what you hear. Thank you for listening.